Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific markets are trading higher this morning on the back of a solid performance on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo is up nearly 1% in early trade. Sydney and Seoul are both up about half a percent. What's moving markets and what are investors focus on today? Well, joining me to help answer these questions is Kelvin Wong. He's a market analyst with CMC Markets right here in Singapore. Good morning, Kelvin. Good morning to you. The spotlight shines again this morning on Singapore's financial sector as the region's largest bank reports better than expected earnings. DBS netted $1.8 billion in the second quarter of the year. That is 7% higher than a year earlier. It is also one of the best quarters on record ever for the bank. So, Kelvin, what is powering DBS's business? Okay, so primarily, if you look at uh, from the uh, financial, the, the latest uh, financial uh, uh, report, apart from DBS, is primarily driven. Uh, I mean, I'll say that this uh, ongoing or this recent uh, profit uh, increase is actually driven more on the uh, loan side of the business, which is an increase in uh, net interest uh, income. It's actually driving uh, this uh, solid uh, Q2 report for DBS. Now, while DBS's profits are up, its revenue is actually down. It's making less money from wealth management fees yes. because yes. the market downturn is hurting that sector of the business. Now, overall, as we said, the April to June quarter was a banner period for the company and shareholders will benefit in the form of higher dividends. DBS has declared a dividend of 36 cents per share for the second quarter. That is up three cents from a year ago. Now, Kelvin, all three local banks appear to be benefiting from the rising interest rate environment. How are they performing as compared with other banks in the region? And what do you think of their business forecasts going forward? Okay, so if we look at it, definitely the three local banks are actually one of the uh, top performers in the region, especially in the APEC region. Number one is for their defensive play. So we start to see a very stable uh, dividend payout from uh, this bank. Uh, I mean, in, in the past, so they actually attracted uh, a quite a quite a amount of resilient little inflows or investment flows towards these three banks. So right now, the big question over here we'll ask ourselves is what will be the forward performance of these three banks? Mm-hmm. So uh, for sure, we know that we are still uh, in a sticky inflationary environment locally and both globally. And also, if you look at the guidances given by what I call it uh, big analysts like Apple, Google, they are actually uh, uh, facing a very uncertainty in their business environment where they're actually being forced to actually reduce or freeze headcount. So going forward, I do believe that the three local banks, they may start to face a bit of pressure from their loan books, that means uh, lesser demand for loans, which could actually uh, impact uh, net interest income as a whole. And let's say, for example, if uh, market volatility and increase in market volatility starts to return back to the financial markets, and it's i.e., there could be a potential, call it another impulsive down move in the major stock indices that could actually further impact the well management business as well. All right, let's crystallize that. So shares of DBS, OCBC and UOB have rallied over the past month ahead of their earnings announcements. Uh, they've risen in the neighborhood of 5 to 8%. However, if we take a three-month perspective, they're all in negative territory. So what is your outlook on the sector going forward? So if you look at the current rebound that was being seen in the last month for these three banks, that you moved in line 
with the other developed nations stock market, especially the US stock market over here. So what we could see over here is that from a very short to medium term perspective, the uptrend on the major US stock indices is still pretty much intact. So pretty much evident what we could see last night overnight performance, which is pretty much robust, despite we have this ongoing geopolitical tension between US and China right after the US House Speaker's visit to Taiwan. So I do believe that at least going forward in this Q3, calendar year Q3, we could still see a bit of residual up move potentially for these three local banks. All right, Kelvin, let's turn to geopolitics and an issue that's certainly been dominating our market conversations this week. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, which has now come and gone. Kelvin, China is conducting military drills around Taiwan today in a move to show that it can encircle the island. But aside from some cyber hacks and bans on a few Taiwanese exports, there have been no major conflicts. So, Kelvin, do you think that the markets were overreacting? to Pelosi's visit? I think uh, from the initial standpoint over here is, uh, yes, there's a slight uh, overreaction because if you look at the previous college speech from President Xi, between President Xi and US President Biden, the remarks coming out from President Xi was rather more hawkish instead. So in, in terms of the sovereignty of Taiwan. So, but however, what happened after that, thereafter, it seems to be much more toned down, more like a toned down approach. So other than we see that the usual military drill that is taking shape right now, today, I mean, for this week, right after the US House Speaker left Taiwan. So other than that, in the near term, markets actually do not actually expect much more, we call it concrete action that may come up from China. And also given that over here is that closer towards the end of this year, presidency will actually start to face this key leadership vote to actually cement his long-term leadership role within the party and as well as in the political cycle of China. So I do not think they want to actually rock the boat right now uh, before this key meeting to actually implement more kind of a harsh retaliation moves against Taiwan or even against US indirectly. Interesting. Now, some strategists warn that Pelosi's visit will have a deeper global market impact, and they point to the one trillion US dollars worth of US bonds that China holds, as well as some of the fragile supply chain links. Has yes. Pelosi's trip led you to rethink longer-term investment strategies? Uh, yes. So definitely, if we're talking about from a longer-term perspective. Uh, if such scenario turns out true, mm. it actually will not be good for these assets as per se. So especially, number one, if you look at the, since the administration of former U.S. President Trump, since now even with Biden in charge, uh, that U.S. Cold or the U.S.-China uh, tech war is still pretty much intact. So what we could see is that after the U.S. House Speaker's visit to Taiwan, I believe that it's more likely related to TSMC indirectly to actually give the support of U.S. administration towards this key global chip maker, which is TSMC. We call it the, the golden mountain of Taiwan. So eventually, right, what we start to see that could be potentially more IC relationship between U.S. and China uh, with this ongoing type of war. So perhaps we start to see, I mean, worst case scenario, we could start to see a continuation of a, a trade war between these two countries, especially focusing on this supremacy in terms of this tech area. Uh, it starts indirectly sabotage between these two countries, not leading to what I call a kind of World War III scenario. Mm. But all in all, right, it could actually start to see the signs of what I call more signs that the, the, the world itself will start to lead to this kind of deglobalization where we start to see superpowers trying to create their own individual sphere of influence 
So that's actually uh, not good for this asset as per se. So eventually, cost of businesses will start to go up. Cost of procuring, we call it raw materials, will start to go up. Interesting. All right, let's bring the conversation back to Singapore. I'm speaking with Kelvin Wong. He's a market analyst with CMC Markets. I'm Michelle Martin, and you're right with us here on Money FM 89.3. Now, when we look at the Singapore market and corporate earnings, we're seeing a mixed performance from Singapore listed real estate investment trusts. Two new results to report this morning. First, Prime US REIT is reporting higher revenue and net property income, and as a result, it is increasing distribution to unit holders by 5.7%. The story is not quite so good for Daiwa Logistics Trust. Its net income is down by more than 4%. It will be paying a distribution of about $0.03 per unit. So Kelvin, overall, from what you've seen, how would you say that Singapore listed REITs have performed in the first half of the year? Uh, I would say that so far, uh, overall, it's still pretty much of a positive call it performance. Yeah, definitely we see some reads actually kind of a uh, disappoint in terms of the uh, earnings report. But overall, it's still pretty much robust. Given that, do not forget over here is that in the first half of this year, the Singapore, Singapore economy itself actually starts to actually open up to the external environment where, where we actually exit from our kind of a uh, stringent, more stringent uh, COVID uh, restriction. Mm-hmm. So this, this return of uh, normalcy has given a bit of a spurt in terms of uh, external demand. So that could actually explain uh, the overall uh, net positive uh, performance for REITs. If we zoom out a little further, what do you think the overall narrative is now for investors when it comes to Singapore-listed REITs? Is there still good value to be found in this sector? I would say at this moment in time, definitely get bad value. We don't talk about value, we talk about more of a defensive play. So definitely a defensive play is still pretty much intact, given that the, the stable uh, we call it dividend uh, stream that is up from this REIT uh, stocks itself. Mm. And also, I don't forget that most of them, the dividend yield itself is still above, I would say that uh, some of them are slightly, but overall, it's still above uh, our current uh, core inflation rate, which is uh, for the month of June, it's at 4.4% year on year. So, but definitely don't forget over here is that uh, if the external environment starts to deteriorate, then we talk about global economy uh, outside Singapore, starts to deteriorate further, that could actually impact uh, some of the uh, rich businesses, perhaps especially the one that's related to hospitality rich and perhaps also industrial rich itself. So that could actually be pretty much challenging or interesting to actually monitor their performance in the later half of this year, especially Q4 and the early part of uh, next year, which is Q1, where potentially we will start to see more macro headwinds uh, coming into the global economy. What would you say the current defensive sectors, Kelvin? Okay, so definitely uh, we talk about current defensive sector in Singapore will be even about uh, potentially for the risk is one of them. Then we have the, uh, the the three local banks, given of their constant dividend, uh, we call it payout and yield, which is still pretty much attractive versus our local 10-year government bond, as well as uh, surpassing the current inflationary uh, core, inflationary rate. And also looking at potentially some of the one that is related to more of utilities uh, sector, which is potentially a same core as well, yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you to zoom out a little further now, Kelvin. As we look at the overall market, the Straits Times Index is up nearly 5% over the past month, but it is in the red if you look at the past three months. So it seems that once again, the SDI is stuck in a trading range. Is there any chance we're going to break out of this pattern before the year's end? 
Okay, so pretty much of which is that, as you know, that Singapore, we are still a small open economy. So we are actually not a leader rather than a price taker. So it's all depending on the external economic environment. And most importantly over here is on the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve direction in terms of their monetary policy. So what we could see over here is that, uh, especially based on the latest Fed speak up yesterday and the, a day before, it seems to me that the officials are still pretty much... Uh, uneasy or not favorable to, to say that, hey, we are now at the right time to actually pivot away from this ongoing hawkish interest rate hike cycle. So right now, always uh, given this scenario, I do not think the Singapore SDI is able to break out from its range. So best case scenario, it will continue to trade in this wide sideways range heading into the year end. Now with the SDI trading in that relatively tight band, do you think there might be better value to be found outside of the blue chips if we look elsewhere in the market? Well, so definitely that if you look at some of the uh, blue chip, uh, we call it the, uh, we talk about the small caps or, or the mm. mid cap sector over here is that, mm-hmm. uh, do not uh, bear in mind over here is that there's still a bit of risk venturing into this particular, uh, uh, we call it sector of the local market. So yeah, perhaps we see is maybe there's some short-term play, but uh, overall it's a bit risky because there's still uh, ongoing uh, macro headwinds. So once these macro headwinds starts to turn again into turn sour again into the markets, and that could actually we call it suck out this whatever potential outperformance of uh, small to mid cap stocks in Singapore. All right, let's turn from equities and take a look at commodities, particularly mm. the glittering golden kind. Gold is trading at around one thousand seven hundred eighty US dollars an ounce, and historically when inflation rises, investors switch into gold. But we haven't seen a lot of that type of action yet when it comes to this cycle. Gold Mm. prices are down 5% over the past three months. If you look at the charts though, and I noted that CNBC's Jim Cramer thinks that this could be a good time to buy in. What is your take on this, Kelvin? Uh, So, definitely, uh, if you look at from a technical analysis perspective, uh, this we talk about the gold versus the US dollar. So at 16, 16, uh, 70, there's a key major support there. We start to see gold actually rallied in the last uh, three weeks, two weeks or three weeks or so. So uh, what's interesting over here is that the rally in gold actually came hand in hand with a pullback in the US dollar strength if you look at the US dollar index. So if you look at why actually gold actually underperformed in the commodity space or why they've been so weak in the last three months was actually this very pronounced uh, dollar strength that has been seen in the FX uh, market. So traditionally, we also have a, this uh, indirect correlation between the strength of dollar and gold. So once uh, US dollar has been going up against the major currency, that could actually impact gold negatively. And what's interesting over here is that the reason pullback in US dollar has been, uh, has been this pickup in this uh, reverse currency war narrative. So maybe let me explain about what this reverse currency war narrative is about. Because uh, if you look at the last uh, month or so, uh, various uh, developed nations, central banks, from we talk about uh, Bank of England, we talk about uh, Bank of Canada, and even uh, our closest neighbor, the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, which has previously has been more less reluctant to increase or have embarked on a more hawkish path of interest rate, they now start to play a catch-up against the U.S. Federal Reserve. So with this catch-up play that is being seen more pronounced in the last uh, one month or so by given uh, the rest of the world, developed nations, central bank uh, guardians. So that actually, we call it reduce the, we call it the interest rates 
spread between their sovereign bond yields against the U.S. Treasury bond yield. So that actually uh, suck out a bit of wind from this ongoing major uh, U.S. dollar strength that has been taking place since the start of this year. So very, very interesting is that the last week of July, we start to see a significant minor pullback in this U.S. dollar strength. So that actually supported this movement in the dollar, in gold prices that was seen in last one or two weeks or so. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, uh, we talk about embarking the start of a new major uptrend from here is still not concrete yet because there are still several hurdles that got to, got to break over from here as well. So talk about key technical levels to watch will be 1870. Unless we have a clear breakout above this 1870, then we could start to see a more potential pronounced movement going forward. All right, thanks for those levels, Kelvin. Now I need to ask whether you prefer Marvel or DC Comics. Quite a switch. (laughs) All right, all right. So uh, definitely I'm still... uh, Marvel fan. Yeah. Still a Marvel fan. All right. So yeah. that's interesting because Warner Brothers has just made a really unusual move. Over the past year, it was filming a new superhero movie, Batgirl. But despite spending some 90 million US dollars and finishing filming, Batgirl is not going to air anywhere because Warner Brothers Discovery has decided to axe the film altogether. It's a pretty unusual move. Kelvin, we've seen a dead cat bounce. Have you seen a dead bat bounce? <laughs> so the definitely over here is that uh, potentially, hopefully, that girl will rise again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they take out the scenario of a bad night will rise again. Uh, hopefully, I imagine there's again. some diehard yeah. DC comic fans who are upset about this. Kelvin, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Pleasure. That is Kelvin Wong, market analyst with CMC Markets right here in Singapore. Let's check in now on how stocks are doing this morning. The Straits Times Index climbed nearly half a percent yesterday to 32.52. It is currently giving back some of those gains. Yes, down 0.09% to 32.49. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.